Hold on to those afterburners, Fire Nation. JLD here, and welcome to episode 1474 of EO Fire, where I shout with today's most successful entrepreneurs seven days a week. Are you ready to master productivity, discipline, and focus in just 100 days? Visit themasteryjournal.com, Fire Nation. And I'll shout with today's featured guest, Andrew Weinrich. Andrew, are you prepared to ignite? Absolutely. Yes. Andrew's a serial entrepreneur and social networking pioneer. To date, he's founded seven startups, has been awarded two software patents to boot. Since 2013, he sold two businesses while advising five tech startups. And he's currently co-founder and chairman of Indicative and the founder of Andrew's Roadmaps. Andrew, take a minute, fill in some gaps from that intro and give us just a little glimpse of your personal life. I spend a lot of time out east in the Hamptons during the year. I try to, um, uh, on weekends, get out of the city as often as I can um, and have a, um, an active, vibrant um, community of, of uh, friends and family here in New York. What I kind of want to do next, Andy, is move into what I consider your area of expertise. So kind of explain to us where you kind of feel like you have some more expertise than most and two value bombs that we as entrepreneurs, as small business owners could really value from your knowledge. With Andrew's Roadmaps, I spent a lot of time with startups talking with them about how to raise capital and how to position themselves in the markets they're in. And one of the recurring themes that comes up with startups is positioning themselves as thought leaders. And not just talking about the specifics of what they're doing, but framing what they're doing in the context of the vertical or the space that they're looking to be a disruptor. And that's really where uh, you ask where I have you know, an area of expertise. I think that's less of a knowledge expertise uh, and more of a experiential uh, you know, it, it more, more of a, a place where I've grown comfortable both with the businesses I start and with others. Um, and I see that more often than not, I see companies that fail to raise capital. It's not because they fail to excite people about the specifics of what they're doing. It's they fail to contextualize what they're doing, uh, in the larger space that they're operating in. So within that, give us two things that we should know that we probably don't about that area. Let me give you an example of, um, of, of vision thinking. I mean, and by the way, best way to find yourself in the press is not just talking about yourself, but talking about your space generally. I had a business uh, you mentioned that I sold to IBM called Xtify. Well, we launched uh, shortly after um, Android was launched. And I remember going into a venture capitalist, one of the more prominent venture capitalists in New York and talking with him, not just about what we were doing, but about, about what the macro thesis was of the business. So Xtify was in the business of delivering push notifications for smartphones and geo focused push notifications for smartphones. And I remember the meeting starting and me saying, look, you have to believe in order for you to be a investor or someone who's excited about Xtify, you have to believe that there's going to be two dominant operating systems in the future, Android and iPhone. And if you don't, then an iOS, and if you don't, then there's nothing to get excited about here. And, and one of the most prominent venture capitalists in New York said, 
There will be two operating systems, but those will just be uh, RIM, BlackBerry, and iPhone. Mm. And that framed for me in the most vivid terms um, what it means to take a position about uh, a space and where you see it going. And in fact, our meeting ended without us ever really describing the particulars of what we were doing because our our fundamental proposition was that we were building off of what we believed would be the two operating systems of the future. And, and the primary of those was Android. And if we couldn't get the investor excited about our macro thesis, then there was nothing to talk about. So Andrew, I kind of want to move into your journey as an entrepreneur, because you've gone through a lot. I mean, we talked in the little pre-interview a little bit about the seven startups. I mean, the two software patents, you're advising five tech startups. I mean, you have a lot of experience. You've seen ups and downs within yourself and other companies, but what would you consider your worst entrepreneurial moments to date and really take us to that moment and tell us that story? I remember at Six Degrees, we had scaled the number of people fairly dramatically. And, uh, and companies in the, in the 90s were in the business of raising capital, burning through the money, and then being dependent on raising more money. And we had a term sheet for a $10 million raise. And uh, there were multiple corrections uh, in the late 90s before the bubble burst. And there was one instance where there was a precipitous drop in the market and the firm that had extended us a $10 million term sheet and we were, we had signed a term sheet and we were getting ready to close, um, called us up and said, um, the market's down. I don't remember what's 20%. Why shouldn't we adjust your price 20% or pull our term sheet altogether? And we were weeks to being out of capital mm. and it was not something that would have been bridgeable. And, um, it was a difficult moment for us. I mean, there were many, you know, I think there were, there were many moments where we were concerned. Stay on that moment, really dive into that. One of the things we had committed ourselves to was, was that if we ever got to a place where we couldn't make a payroll, we would tell all of the employees that they were facing the upcoming two weeks without us payroll. And we were literally within a week of that circumstance. And that would have been deeply unsetting for a company that from all outward appearances had massive traction and looked like it was, um, you know, a rocket ship. And, uh, we were fortunate because while we were deliberating the, the question was put to us, what is your response? Uh, while we were deliberating what to do, um, the market began to come back from a very precipitous drop. And, what we decided to do was just not to respond at all. And we had a term sheet. We wouldn't respond uh, to that question at all. And um, and instead, we had our lawyers proceed as if there was, uh, there was nothing wrong. And we were fortunate because uh, in another circumstance, it probably would have been wise for us to get on the phone and address the, the issue head on and drop price perhaps. But in this particular circumstance, we were fortunate that, um, that the market returned and they went on and funded the, the, the business, but it was truly a precarious, it was truly a precarious time. And I remember feeling this deep sense of responsibility to all these people that worked for me. Would we be able to continue funding operations? 
So in hindsight, like what's that top lesson that you really walked away with? If you had to really break it down for our listeners, what do you want to make sure that we get from your moments uh, that, that was tough? In that particular moment, I knew that our business was doing well. And I had enough confidence to not panic. It felt awful. And it was certainly precarious. But I had enough confidence at that moment not to panic. There have been other times where market conditions have changed and we have had to adjust. These are for other businesses. I did have to adjust price expectations. But I think that the, the teachable moment is you have to have a sense, one, of how you're doing where you can be honest with yourself. And two, hopefully you've, spoke, you've spoken with a broad enough group of prospective investors that you have a sense that if this particular one doesn't work out, what are the opportunities that are available to you? And if there are not good opportunities that are available to you, you have to have the humility to say, look, it's more important to keep going and to adjust my expectations uh, than, to, than to stand on, on a arbitrary price that really isn't resonating in the market. But if you do believe in where you are, and if you do have a sense that others appreciate your progress, well, then it can make sense to stand your ground. So you've been a part of a lot of companies. You've advised and seen a lot of companies. What would you say is one of your greatest aha moments that you've had to date? Tell us that story. Started a business in 2006, which was a location-based mobile dating service. And we were actually abstracting location off of the phone before the iPhone was launched. Oh, wow. And so we decided this is what this business was about, it was called Meet Moi, that there was immense power in being able to identify when people were proximate to other people. That was, would be immensely powerful. We could fundamentally change the dating experience. And while we were building that company, it occurred to us that it would be even more powerful if we knew when people were proximate to a location. So you're driving by a Starbucks and they can send you a message that says, go 50 feet forward and make a right-hand turn. And get a free coffee. And get a free coffee. That's right. <laughs> and, and that was the aha moment. That was the great aha moment. But what was interesting was it was inconsistent with the mission of mm. Meet Moi. So we went to the investors and we said, we have this aha moment and we'd like to spin out another company and capitalize it separately and make you whole on the cap table. And can you get behind this? And in fact, they did. And we raised capital for these two separate businesses, hired CEOs for these two separate businesses. I, I played the role of chairman for each. And, um, and we moved them in parallel. So looking back on that aha moment, what do you want to make sure the foundation really gets that they can maybe apply in 2016 to their business as they're moving forward? You know, I think it's a rare opportunity that you can split a company into two and pursue both. But I don't think it's a rare opportunity to come up with an idea and realize after you've already raised capital, you've told the whole world that you think you've got the best idea in the world, and then recognize that there are greener pastures if you pivot. And it's important to be able, at least to yourself and with your close, your, your management team and with your close advisors, to be able to talk honestly about whether there are greener pastures before you at any time in your business. That I think is a, is a, is one of the defining elements of great success. And if you look at the greatest businesses, many have had that type of aha moment because they were open 
to this idea that there might be a greener pasture that was different than what they originally articulated. So we've been talking a lot about your journey, Andrew, and and let's kind of take things to present times. Like, What is the one thing right now today that you are most fired up about? I'm fired up about Indicative. Indicative is a business analytics company that is able to do things that I think no other analytics company is able to do. But when you ask me, what am I fired up about that I'm not involved with? Uh, I'm spending a lot of time looking at prefabricated housing. And I would say if there's one vertical that I am more fired up about than any other, it's this idea that uh, I think we're on the cusp of um, of being in a place where people won't think it's unusual when you put up a home to buy a home that's built in a factory. And at some point in the future, we will see that the majority of homes are factory built in the United States. They're already factory built the majority of single family residences in other countries around the world. But in the United States, we're a real laggard. And I think we're on the cusp of seeing a real tipping point there. So we're going to talk a lot about exciting things coming up in the lightning round, Fire Nation. So definitely stick around. Take a quick minute first to thank our sponsors. Running a successful online business has everything to do with being a great communicator, reaching out to new prospects, taking calls from potential partners, and being able to provide great customer service is a must in order to consistently grow your business. But let's be real, you're only one person and there's only so much time in the day. How do you manage it all? A tool that we use here at EO Fire to help us stay on top of our communication is eVoice. eVoice allows you to forward calls and voice messages to any line, so regardless of whether you're in the office or on the go, you can still be in touch. Want a line with a professional greeting and menu options that make it easy for your callers to be routed quickly? eVoice provides that too. See how eVoice can help you connect with your prospects, partners, and customers quickly and easily. Visit eVoice.com today. eVoice is offering Fire Nation an extended 60-day free trial, visit evoice.com and use promo code FIRE. That's evoice.com, promo code FIRE. Investing, it's that big, scary word that most people shy away from because it sounds like too much work. But what if you had a platform that was simple to understand, easy to manage, and inexpensive? If you're looking for an online broker who will let you customize and automate your investments, then M1 Finance is one to check out. You control what percent of your money goes into various stocks and ETFs, and then M1 does all the work to enact your plan. You get all that with no commissions, just a low 03 five annual fee. Get started with as little as $100 today. Visit m1finance.com slash fire and our friends there will give you six months of service for free. You get custom portfolios, automated rebalancing, fractional shares, no commission, and for six months you get it all for free. That's m1finance.com slash fire. M1 Finance is a registered broker dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Andrew, are you prepared for the lightning rounds? I am. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? I think fear. I mean, I always try to start things part time. Uh, and then I went to law school. And mm. then, um, uh, you know, when you're gra- when I graduated from law school, I had a lot of debt. And there, there, was, there never seemed to be the right time to embark on a full time entrepreneurial career. And, uh, and at some point, I just decided this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. What's the best advice you've ever received? When I graduated from college, um, 
I met with someone who was giving me career advice, and I remember many people were giving me career advice, much of which was about what business areas to go into. But one guy in particular said, make a list of all the things you want to accomplish in life. Write it down and be true to that list. Come back periodically. It's going to be hard to every three months come back and refresh that list Mm. of life goals. But life is going to move really quickly. And even though this may seem corny, take the time to write down this list. And his, he said, put together a list of 100 things you want to do wow. and then stay true to that list. That must have taken a while because, I mean, to sit down and write 100 things out, I mean, that takes some brain power. You know, I couldn't write 100 things out when I started. But I think um, as you iterate and as you, um, and as you come back to the list and you think about things you want to do, learn another language, learn how to play guitar, travel to specific places, um, you'll realize that it isn't that hard to come up with a hundred things that you want to do. What's a personal habit that contributes to your success? You know, when I get excited about a vertical, I I don't consider myself constrained by uh, the knowledge that I have up until this point in my life. So for example, if you were to ask me, uh, two months ago, what I know about prefabricated housing, I would have told you nothing. I could point to one house uh, that I knew that had been built in a factory. But when I become excited about something, I become almost obsessional about it and I'll read everything I can get my hands on and I'll speak to everyone, everyone who's got any expertise in that space. And so I, I like to think that through the rest of my life, that each time I become excited about something, not, you know, not just mildly interested, but excited about something that I, I do not feel constrained by whatever my background, whether it's a software background or a entrepreneurial background or an internet background, I don't feel constrained by that, uh, in trying to become an expert in a new area. If you could recommend one book, what would it be and why? I recently read uh, A Thread Across the Ocean by John Steele Gordon, which is uh, the laying of the first transatlantic cable, literally sh- a ship or multiple ships trying to to cross the ocean and drop the first cable. This was in the 1860s. Um, and the the number of times that it failed, the number of times, I mean, you can't even imagine you're, you're if you're literally trying to drag a uh, a cable across yeah. the ocean and you drop it you've got to go either fish it out from the bottom of the ocean when it lands or that particular uh, attempt is considered a failure and you've got to go back and raise money for a new cable and then the cables obviously there's not one cable that goes all the way across you know you make it uh part of the way and then there's stitching and another um you know, and, 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 um, and, and uh, the attachment of, of, of another cable, but it was failure after failure after failure, um, until success. And then when the first transatlantic cable was finally laid, it became transformative. The idea that you could communicate in from Europe to the United States in, in real time. It would have been even more funny if it was a success and they're like, oh, by the way, we can just call people now over the airwaves. <laughs> we don't need the cable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brutal. So, Andrew, let's end today on fire with a parting piece of guidance. The best way that we can connect with you and then we'll say goodbye. So the best way to connect with me is on uh, Andrew's Roadmaps. 
Um, you can reach me a Weinrich at Andrews Roadmaps, A W E I N R E I C H at Andrews Roadmaps. Um, and a parting piece of advice, um, dream big, dream big and, um, and, and try to imagine not just what you can do, but try to imagine where any space is going to go in the future. And then once you figure that out, figure out what role you can play in that emerging vision that is yours. Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and you've been hanging out with A-dubs and J-L-D today, so keep up the heat. And head over to eofire.com. Just type Andrew in the search bar. His show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. Best show notes in the biz, timestamps, links galore. Of course, check out Andrew's roadmaps, and everything is going to be on that show notes page. And Andrew, I want to thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks so much. Hey, Fire Nation, hope you enjoyed our chat with Andrew today. And we, that's me, EO Fire and Kate, we have a, a free eight-day goals course for you at freegoalscourse.co. Get goal-focused, Fire Nation, and I'll catch you there or I'll catch you on the flip side.